to the SAP HCM Insights Podcast. I'm Steve Bogner, Managing Partner at Insight Consulting Partners, here with my colleagues, Jarrett Pazahanek, Brandon Toombs, and Luke Marson to recap our experience at Success Connect. It was a great conference. Um, good to learn and good to see you guys again, too. You know, we talk on the podcast and through other ways all the time, and uh, it's good to get face-to-face, um, just briefly, briefly, right? Briefly, indeed. Yes. <laughs> not uh, long enough. Not long enough. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the nature of conferences. They're pretty busy. Um, so just wanted to, you know, for us to get together and, and recap it real quick. You know, I, I know we don't need to rehash, you know, everything in the conference, but, um, you know, it was, a, I think, fairly well attended conference. It seemed big. It was nice getting the exercise, walking to the keynote. It seemed like a good two-mile walk, maybe. I don't know. It was long. Um, I can see why they did it, though, because, you know, the the uh, auditorium there was the right size for the people, um, for the people who attended. Um, but, you know, I think that, you know, we've had a lot of uh, this conversation among ourselves about what we uh, were looking for out of the conference and what uh, versus what we got. Um, so I think, you know, one of the things I'd like to just kick us off with that I was looking for from the conference um, and was really disappointed I, I didn't get something, and that was the announcement of a new payroll product. Um, you know, I've been working with the payroll since it was uh, just a little baby product, and it's a great product, but, you know, we really need a new modern multi-tenant true cloud payroll to go with Employee Central. and it just wasn't there. You know, we had some sessions from SAP um, on Employee Central Payroll, which was fine, fine product for those that it works for. But I was really disappointed we didn't see anything on the Cloud Payroll product. Um, and, you know, I'm kind of leaves, leaves me wondering, Jarrett, just when they're going to do something about that, when they're going to announce something. You know, I, I know that you've uh, talked about the same thing and uh, just curious on what your feedback is. I was pretty disappointed, to be honest, because, you know, it was sort of telegraphed two years ago in a Diginomica article from Mike Etling, and then it was also telegraphed last year uh, with Rob Ensling in a, in a Diginomica article with John Reed. And so um, I thought it was just a matter of time before they made that announcement. And, uh, you know, even I even asked for a briefing uh, on the payroll product uh, when I was at Success Connect, and they actually gave several other people briefings on the payroll product and not me. So it's pretty obvious that they... Uh, they don't really want the word to get out on, on where they're at uh, right now. I mean, my thought around this is they're going pretty aggressive to them out in the marketplace uh, with SAP payroll customers to try to push employee central payroll. And for any customers listening to, listening to this, just know that uh, there is some tighter integration with EC and ECP, but at the end of the day, ECP, a majority of ECP functionality is, is SAP payroll hosted in the cloud. Uh, with a few things sort of that you can't do, but a majority of the things that SAP payroll can do, EC payroll can do. And there's, you know, some tiny around the edges advantages, mm-hmm. uh, things like, you know, the, the BSI e-form factory and some things like that. But, but you know, I'm hearing rumors out there that sales is going out saying, you know, full garnishments are delivered and full taxes are delivered. And, and they're really just going out there trying to really sell this offering because it's a big ticket item. And, and I would just highly, highly recommend that any SAP payroll customers considering it. And it is a good fit for, you know, if you're getting rid of your entire SAP landscape, maybe there's a business case there. But 
um, you know, it comes back to my discussion about the Wild West because you and I, Steve, have talked and there's ways that, it, you know, if they could get the implementations down to a really manageable number, uh, manageable uh, duration, moving customers from SAP payroll to EC payroll, maybe it'd be easier to make a business case. But most uh, SIs and even SuccessFactors professional services are treating this as a brand new implementation and the dollars to move just, just don't make a lot of sense. But that doesn't mean that the sales folks aren't going to aggressively try to tell you whatever you want to hear to try to push this offering to you. Well, you know, I, I can't see. Yeah. So I agree with you. Uh, I, I can't see, though, where um, some customers might benefit from retooling their existing payroll as they move into employee central payroll. Um, you know, some of my customers went live in the mid to late 90s and haven't changed it since. And, you know, there's a, a ton of new stuff out there that's been delivered over the years with payroll that, you know, a lot of people just aren't using. There's also been some really poorly done payroll implementations where they're not using even some of the basic things where uh, customers could benefit from some level of re-implementation. So I think that, you know, depends on the customer, but, you know, if if you're implemented by me or Jarrett, you probably don't have much of a need to move because you got <laughs> a good payroll. Um, but I can't say that for every uh, customer I've seen. But and I, I w and I will say just Steve, just with without the accelerators to actually move the the foundational pieces, I think I think most of the budget gets eaten up with these implementations on just becoming making it like it always was. And so yeah. to me, I just I think I think the SAP owes the customers what their real vision is going to be around payroll. Mm -hmm. um, I think it makes sense for a lot of customers to stay put, maybe invest around the edges. I think one thing I've heard a lot of misinformation about is the payroll control center. Payroll Control Center is foundational with ECP, but it's also something that SAP payroll customers can can do. So to me, I think you get a lot more bang for your buck sort of looking at some of those things you just talked about, like retooling around the edges. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, payroll's payroll. So uh, if you what you have is working today, I you know, you're not don't expect to get a lot of advantages just because you're moving to the cloud, at least with the version of technology that SAP mm -hmm. is offering right there in the, in the marketplace right now. Yeah. The the point you made about the vision that uh, with respect to payroll, I think that could be something that you could also just broaden out and talk about the vision that SAP has for all of success factors is something that they really could do a better job of, of communicating out to their community. Um, it's not just payroll, but also in time and benefits. Uh, when we first uh, got Employee Central as part of the acquisition. Uh, it's a great product, but uh, at that time they said, well, we're not going to be touching benefits. We're not going to be touching time. And then over time, that's that's evolved to where um, benefits is now something that's almost fully functional um, for uh, SuccessFactors customers, even in the U.S. And uh, time is also evolved to the point to where it can be used by a lot of uh, companies. Not, a, not all companies, but What's frustrating, though, and that's great, uh, but what's frustrating is um, uh, SuccessFactors doesn't do a, a good job of, of explaining what their aspirations are for the different areas of the system. And so uh, you have uh, particularly SAP customers that are trying to decide um, what direction to go in certain things, and they're, they're doing so without, the, with all, without all the information that they need. Um, I know that makes a lot of sense for people like Apple, where they want people to be able to, uh, they don't want to inter interrupt their buying cycle because, of course, uh, people may not buy as many iPhones. Well, I don't think that that really applies the same way 
um, in a HR uh, technology situation because you're talking about something that has a life cycle of 10 years, uh, mm -hmm. at least in a lot of cases. And so uh, it really uh, behooves SAP to share with us what, where is the product going so that people know and, and can start making informed decisions. Yeah, I agree. I will say one quick thing on sort of SAP's defense here is that success factors is I think they do do a good job of their roadmaps. I think, Brandon, I do agree with you as well. I think it's just that next level up of the sort of the, the broader vision. But I think as far as what's coming in the next six to 12 to 18 months, I think they've done a really good job of providing detailed roadmaps. I think what you're referring to is sort of that next level up. Like right. um, I had a customer the other day that was saying, hey, Jared, our benefit focus contracts ends in two years. Do you think that we can use, you know, employee central benefits in the US? And my answer was, I really don't know. Um, I think you'd be crazy not to look at it because, you know, it's included in your EC license. But, but at the end of the day, I think, you, you know, I don't know if that product's going to be suitable for them and their needs 18 months from now. And I think we see a lot of customers, uh, you know, especially around some of the partners, you know, benefit focus, workforce, software, some of these other things, maybe not, not having a good sense of, you know, will the product be where I need it to be so that I can just leverage one suite of technology and get that integration instead of, you know, having to deal with all these additional costs as well as the integration with third-party vendors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the third-party vendors, you know, I think those relationships were established because, um, you know, it, early on, Employee Central didn't have that functionality, like Brandon pointed out. It didn't really have time functionality, didn't have benefits functionality. So if you want to sell an HR system, how do you do that, right? Because, you know, if you're selling it to your existing client base, which is used to a fully integrated, fully functional system, then you've got to do something. And I think that's honestly how a lot of these partnerships came around. It was to fill some functional gaps. Um, but I think customers pushed them to have more of the functionality inside the suite because, you know, I've worked with some companies who just don't want to outsource. It's just, they're not comfortable with it. They don't like it. They've had bad experiences in the past. Maybe, um, they would rather just do it themselves. So, um, I think that, you know, that's another thing that was driving them to develop more of this internally. So, so it's good to see more functionality coming out. Um, but yeah, like, like you guys said, um, a little more explanation of you know the the direction and and where they're going um, longer term would be would be good for customers. So anyway, um, Luke, we've we've been talking a lot and haven't let you in. So we, I was going to plan to keep it that way through the whole podcast, but then I'm starting to feel bad about that now. <laughs> you so, would be doing everyone a favor. <laughs> So, so what was what's what's your feedback on Success Connect? What what impressed you or didn't impress you? What do you, uh, you know, what's what's your perspective? Um, as usual, I enjoyed the conference. I always love the interactions with um, customers, mm -hmm. uh, with 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 executives, um, and of course with um, fellow consultants and partners. Um, you know, there's 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 definitely a lot of great people out there that come to these conferences. And of course, I got to spend time with all of you there. Um, of course, never, never enough time. Um, I, I particularly like the ARIA as a, as a, as a, as a venue. Certainly, yeah. it's, it's a lot better than the other uh, cas casino, hotel, conference venues out there. Um, the conference space itself was quite compact, um, although a little spacious at the same time. And I thought the exhibition hall being split into two was probably not uh, optimal for mm -hmm. the attendees. 
of course, there was a lot of good um, customer-oriented session content and roadmap sessions. The uh, the opening keynote, as 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 um, as as most people were probably aware, had a couple of technical issues. But the keynote from from uh, Michael Fox was definitely quite um definitely quite uplifting for a lot of people. I've seen a lot of um, good feedback around on Twitter since the event, as well as the feedback I heard while I was there. Um, I, the one thing I I kind of got is I didn't feel the usual kind of buzz that we get at these these conferences. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly, there's a lot of positivity around. Um, you know, with things like support getting better year on year and more stability, um, that's certainly playing into how people are feeling about the solutions. I think not having any huge major announcements may have impacted the buzz a little bit. But you know, with, with, with the whole kind of quarterly releases, you know, trying to kind of slow down on functionality is probably a little beneficial. But it also... The whole GDPR stuff that mm -hmm. uh, SuccessFactor had to work on, of course, sucked a lot of development budget and development time out of the teams, which I think we're now feeling the impact of. And probably it's not going to be until next year we're going to start to see some uh, some more major enhancements and functionality. Mm -hmm. um, I spent a lot of time talking with with customers um, and with with people like um, Bonnie Tinder from. Uh, Raven Intel, some um, some of the sales teams and 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 folks like yourself. Um, I still don't get the feeling that um, customer success is really at the heart of of where success factors are driving. Uh, I think, of course, they want customers to be successful, but the, the sort of things that they put in place to make that happen still don't seem to be really. Um, just really evident. Well, what do and, you mean? I mean, what what are some examples there? Because I, I I have the same feeling, but maybe maybe we're coming from different perspectives. I, I think the whole the whole way the um, the 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 partners are evaluated and partners are put forward mm -hmm. to customers seems to need a lot of work. And and you know, the actually the first time I managed to to see Jarrett. Um, for a prolonged period of time was with a customer that had um, not had an optimal experience with their partner. Mm -hmm. um, and that could have been, that could have been handled uh, better. And there's a couple of other um, customers we spoke to where they've not had, um, they've not had a good experience with the partner and now they're trying to find new partners, but it's very hard for them to find, to find new partners because originally in the sales cycle, they are offered one or two partners, probably the ones that the, that the AE knows. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's hard for them to make that independent evaluation. And of course, maybe we can talk about um, Raven Intel a little later or, or another podcast, but that's a, a new tool that was announced um, that is designed to help these kind of um, uh, customers make some better decisions. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of that's kind of one thing, and and that's it's not a new thing, but it's 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 a little sad that that is still ongoing, given all of the other improvements and success factors are making across so many areas. That's one that just seems to be rumbling on and on year on year. Yeah. So I, I guess that's sort of like um, that's in the category of what wasn't said at success factors, right? 
Um, what wasn't said was how difficult it can be for customers to find the right implementation partner because, you know, there are some fits are better than other fits. That's for sure. And, um, and then also nothing really was talked about to tame the wild west as Jarrett has coined it. Um, I have to give him a dollar every time I say that is trademarked by now. Um, so, but you're, you're right, Luke, but all of that uh, comes into uh, customer success and customer satisfaction. Um, I, I'm hoping that Raven Intel will um, sort of help that out. And, and Jarrett, maybe you can explain to us what Raven Intel is just briefly, yeah. because I think, um, you know, in an upcoming podcast pretty soon, we should have Bonnie on to, to talk about that. But just, you know, for people who weren't there and who don't know, tell us a, a sort of a abbreviated version of Raven Intel. Yeah, so Raven Intel is going to be uh, very similar to how you consider sort of a Yelp or a TripAdvisor, where, where Bonnie is uh, uh, going out and actually getting customer surveys. Um, I, I know uh, Luke's firm was, a, was helped Bonnie out and provided a lot of great customer references that they had, but it's a way that uh, partners can go out and sort of share their success stories of the customers that they are they're at but it's a total third party reviewed so luke can think you know luke for example could think he had the greatest implementation mm -hmm. bonnie's still going to reach out to that customer so she's reached out to a hundred customers so far and keep in mind this is a lot broader than sap and success factors it's for all of the hr technology so it's like ultimate workday oracle cornerstone and 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 in her findings on those first hundred surveys, and again, some of those first hundred surveys were people that were you know sharing very good stories. She still found that the average HR tech implementation scored lower than the airlines and lower than the cable companies uh, mm -hmm. as far as customer satisfaction. And and I, and I think in some cases that's the best foot forward. So um, I, I just think it's going to give you know I always tell customers you know, it's like that old poker analogy. When you sit down at the table, try to find the sucker. And if you can't find the sucker, that means it's you. And unfortunately, I tell customers all the time, like, if you don't go and get knowledgeable and do use some of these third parties, use independent advisors, you know, use go out and try to learn as much as you can. Take three to six months before you're going to evaluate what vendor, you know, and, and really spend some time to know the questions to ask and, and, and do that same process when you're, when you're bringing on your partner or your consulting firm, you know, you're competing against people that do this day in and day out, both from the vendor and the consulting side. You might do this as Brandon mentioned every 10 or 15 years. And so you need some help and you need to be smart. And I think Bonnie, that Raven Intel tool will be another means that customers can use to benchmark, uh, both benchmark vendors against each other, which one will I have a better chance of being successful with, as well as once I pick my vendor, which partner should I consider, uh, you know, what partners should I consider to be shortlisted? Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that Luke, Luke mentioned when he was talking about partners is I'm starting to see a trend of success factors, professional services, uh, very, very strongly competing with partners. Although whenever we meet, they always say they don't do that. They want the partner system to grow. So they say that out of one side of their mouth, but out of the other side of their mouth, they're competing tooth and nail, trying to grow their professional service revenue. And I'm starting to see more and more troubled projects that are being led by uh, success factors, professional services as a prime as well. So you and I, and, and many on this call have said, just because you're bringing in Accenture, just because you're bringing in Success Factors Professional Services, just because you're bringing in Jarrett or Steve Bogner 
ask for references, mm-hmm. you know, go through those checks because if you, those are things that people that have a good track record, they love to share. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about um, customer support for a while, uh, for a bit. Um, you know, back in the spring, we had a podcast on customer support and, you know, it seemed like there were some things being put in place to um, improve customer support. And I don't know, I'm getting mixed signals, you know, that maybe it's improving for some, but not others. Um, but I mean, Brandon, Luke, I mean, what do you guys think? What's, what's your perspective? Um, support is one of those things that's, that's local to whoever it is that's uh, going through it. I will say anecdotally, it's working a little bit better, although it still suffers uh, from my perspective from the same types of uh, concerns that I had before uh, where maybe things aren't getting documented and we're finding them out only after we put in a ticket, whereas if they had just put out something uh, communicated a little better, we wouldn't have had to put in the ticket in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that. I believe that's still going on, I, although I do believe that the level one, two support is getting uh, better. Uh, I just wish, and uh, one thing I was disappointed Pointed by is, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, they were communicating out uh, a little bit uh, on the metrics of how the success, uh, how successful uh, support was, was getting. And, you know, there was, there was nothing about that this year. So I would, that's a, that's a little bit of a disappointment. That doesn't mean that it's necessarily going bad. Maybe they had, you know, there's just a limited amount of bandwidth they can spend on things. Maybe they had other things to communicate, but that's one thing I I would have liked to have seen more about. Luke, what's your perspective? What do you think? Yeah, so I have spoken to a few customers at Success Connect, um, and you know the feeling I get is that is support is continuing to improve, um, especially versus. La- this is the, I feel this is the first year when I was working with the customers where s- support hasn't been a complaint of theirs. It's it's something that could still get better, but I didn't feel that that people were complaining to me about support anymore. And it's and that is something that has happened for probably three or four years, and and, and that I did I just got the impression that it's it, it customers are starting to feel that it's now at a level of acceptability. I've seen it with some recent customers where we've put tickets in and they have come back with a resolution fairly quickly and a lot quicker than I have seen in the past. I mean I remember the days of a ticket could be four or five weeks just to get a level one or two response. Now we're seeing actually these, these tickets getting escalated up to engineering pretty quickly and, and, and solutions coming out. Now I know that depends on the module and where you're located and it's not perfect across the board, but definitely things are moving in the upwards direction. And, and the impression I got from the customers I spoke to is, is that customers are seeing and experiencing this as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of- I, I, I've heard mixed, uh, sorry, Jared, but I, I've heard mixed results from my customers. Some of them are pleased, others are not. And, um, you know, sometimes it, I think it has to do with the complexity of the customer and the, the request also, because my more complex customers are finding less satisfaction in support than the ones who are simpler. So I think that's that's also a metric that sometimes we don't we don't consider is the complexity of the customer and the, the complexity of the request. But Jared, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, one of the things is definitely success factor support has gotten better. I think one of the one of the things that, that I've mentioned for the last several years is 
they've they've went to fix success factor support but sap hcm support is under a total different team and without the same sort of improvement goals on that side so you have all these hybrid customers that are experiencing two different levels of support so it's really it's really i often ask the question when i'm talking with executives and they roll out these these all these things i say is this for on premise as well and the answer is always no another good example gdpr you know, they you know they came up with a GDPR solution for success factors. That's great, but what about their twelve thousand loyal maintenance paying customers? You know, now there's third parties out in the marketplace looking to develop solutions for them. And and recently, I had a very large customer that ended up uh, leaving the SAP Success Factors family. They were a hybrid customer, but one of the reasons was they said that the support was so bad on the SAP side, they weren't going to spend any more dollars. And so, you know, while I do agree that it's getting fixed on the other side, I'm just shocked at times that um, Success Factors leadership is not looking at this a little more holistically. And you even see that with a conference like we just attended. There was a few tracks one could say maybe you know upgrade to success and some other stuff if you were willing to spend some money right away maybe it made sense for you to go but a lot of SAP HCM customers aren't going to Success Connect because there's really nothing for for them specific there but you know now with the HR Insider series that's you know I'm not sure where that's going to be next year I've heard various things but that was the conference for SAP HCM and I'm mm-hmm. just I'm just keep waiting for the uh, the light bulb to go off, um, you know, because SAP gets very success factors in SAP when there's a prospect and they're looking to leave, they get very aggressive and they really try to do a lot of the right things to keep that customer. But the best time for me to keep a customer is when you already have the customer, mm-hmm. keep them happy. And when it's time for them to move, they'll naturally stay within the family. And, and I think we're seeing more and more cases of large SAP HCM customers that are deciding to consider moving to the cloud and and they are bringing in other vendors and and in at least in north america you know a a large port some portion of those are leaving sap altogether which which has got to be pretty scary for uh top leadership Mm -hmm. yeah well you know it's um i think a mixed bag on support still and you know jared it's it's it is a sad fact that the on-premise support is pretty bad but it's it's never been really good um and again, you know, most of my customers have given up on the, you know, on support anyway, which it's it's sad, but you know, they've just um, been sort of like being a Cincinnati Bengals fan, right? You you get your hopes up every now and then when you have some, you know, you get a win or two, <laughs> and then they just, you know, they go three or four, you know, games, and they can't even make it through the first playoff game. So you know, after a while, like me with the Cincinnati Bengals, you just give up. Unfortunately, I mean, it just I, I mean, I, I'm a big football fan as well, but um, go Vikes. But no, I do agree. It comes down. It comes down to trust. And a yeah. lot of these things like what Luke mentioned earlier, it's, it's you know, about the partners. It's a trust issue. I have a list of 190 partners in the U.S. Um, are they all vetted? Are they all good? The answer is no. You know, so I don't know as a customer if I can trust the implementation partners that SAP is always vetted. Can I trust support? Can I trust? And, and it really comes down to, I like what Bill McDermott said, it's, uh, is that, you know, trust is earned in drops and lost in buckets. Yeah. And I mean, I really like that quote. And I think a lot of us, we try, to, we try to live that way, you know, where we're trying to gain trust in little bits of little bits and pieces and increments by trying to do the right thing. And, and I think that a lot of people at SAP and SuccessFactors are trying to do that as well. I just think that there's, there's, Sometimes it's communication, sometimes it's just follow through, sometimes it's delivery. But I think, 
you know, a lot of times I think customers aren't feeling like it's a customer first always organization. And I think a lot of times they feel like it's a sales first organization mm -hmm. where they're being sold to and, you know, delivery and seeing them be successful is more of, I wouldn't say it's an afterthought because, you know, one of the things that, that I reflected on coming back was, you know, I'm always complaining about the wild west, but there are so many good people in the ecosystem. Like mm -hmm. I met so many people that really have their customers best interest at heart they want to deliver, they'll bend over backwards. And, and, and why, I, why I think the Wild West theme hurts is because those people are muddying the waters for the people that really can help customers have success. And I'd like to see SAP and SuccessFactor step up and police that. It would help the firms that are doing business the right way and ultimately it would help customers. And guess what? It's going to help SAP because more referenceable customers are going to be great sales agents and sales reps for them to sell new deals to fellow customers. Yep. So the Wild West continues and mixed bag and customer support. Um, you know, one thing that I thought was good about this conference uh, were the keynotes. You know, I think uh, Brandon or, or Luke, you mentioned that there was uh, a technical difficulty in the first keynote. Um, I, you know, I, I don't blame SAP success factors for that. That sort of stuff happens. But um, I thought it was good that Bill McDermott was there for a significant amount of time. I know some people thought it could have been shorter. I think it's good that he was there um, to show everyone in the HCM space that um, he values this product, right? Because he he invested his time at the keynote. Um, Amy Wilson's um, update at the closing keynote I thought was good too. Um, some good things there. I would you know I would have liked to hear it about their future payroll, but you know that didn't happen. Um, those are the keynotes that I I that I made. I wasn't there for the last two. I didn't see Stefan Reese uh, or Michael Fox. Uh, you guys did though, right? Did you see those? Yeah. I mean, I'll say that I went over uh, being a fellow Canadian uh, dual citizen. Uh, Michael mm -hmm. J. Fox is a bit of a legend back in Canada, but you know, I, I, I think that's the CHRO Stefan Reese just crushed it. I mean, he's, He's a success factors user, uh, you know, and they replaced a lot of the SAP HCM internally with success factors. And I think on a one on one that a few of us had, like he had a lot of metrics on some of the real, real improvements he had. He talked about being the Formula One test driver, which meant he was going to be the one to test all these changes out internally. And I know people can just scoff at like, oh, why wouldn't SAP use their own software? But this is a 91,000 person organization. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And and to see and to see, but the way he articulated that with a combination of I I think uh, uh, thing pe way of people that could understand in a very lively way I thought was was excellent. I thought it was a way that would resonate with um, success factors SAP HCM customers right now. If he could get out in front of them, that was a recommendation that I made to them one on one. Is they should get this message out a little bit more. And then Michael J. Fox story uh, is a very uh, humbling uh, he told it in a very funny way i mean it was just 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 the way that he way that he presented that and the fact that you know he's raised over a billion dollars for parkinson's uh, is just beyond impressive yeah so brandon i know that a complaint or a criticism from previous conferences was uh, a lack of customer success stories um in the keynotes but i think we had a couple of good ones this year yeah i would i would agree with that so um I would say this is the year 
that SAP or, or success factors uh, rather c- kind of came into its own with it with respect to really strong uh, success stories uh, with big uh, companies going on the product. Mm-hmm. And so you saw American Airlines and Tapestry uh, were the two people in the, or the two groups in the keynote and they had, you know, great things to, to say. And, um, you know, they were, they were available to, for discussions later on as well in the, in, in the analyst group. Uh, in addition to that though, there were, as they said, uh, you know, there were uh, over a hundred case studies. And, and one of the ones that uh, I know Jarrett and I uh, are quite familiar with is Microsoft. And I know Microsoft is just live with three of their 103 countries right now, but they are, you know, moving along and they're, they're, they're on track and, and feel really good about the product. So if it, it, those are the kinds of things I think that, that really speak way more than uh, just about anything else that's going on is if those large organizations are seeing value in the product, then, um, that's really what we're. That's really what we should be most excited about, and and, and really, it is the thing that I I will take away from this uh, from this uh, conference. That's the most positive is that they are, you know, they they you know SAP and Success Factors are really delivering on on uh, the value proposition uh, to to large organizations, much like SAP HR used to do. Mm-hmm. And you you know I think another thing um, that a lot of people were interested in. I know some of my customers were wanting to know more about the SAP Analytics Cloud and and what role that's going to play in the future. And and Luke, I think that we got some answers at the conference. Yeah. The SAP Analytics Cloud technology is, it, it, it's, it's SAP's go-forward analytics capability. Um, naturally, given by the name, it, it's cloud-based. And SAP are planning to embed this technology inside of SAP success factors for um, to start with it's go, it's going to go in as um it looks like it's going to replace some of the um, some of the um, ORD and advanced reporting capabilities and eventually um, probably within the next 12 maybe eight to 18 months time it will replace um, uh, workforce analytics as well um, actually, um, at iServe, we did see a demo of the SAP Analytics Cloud for um, the financial reporting piece, actually, for, for some of our, our financial reporting and cost modeling. Um, and one of my colleagues has actually been working closely with, with, with SAP on, on um, some, some beta aspects of the program. He's written a few blogs on it. And it's, for me, it's definitely a, a step up from um, the reporting capabilities available now because some of them are, even though there's been a redesign around 18 months, two years ago, it's still a little convoluted and, and technical. And and a lot of users just want to be able to build reports um, and dashboards and charts and whatever else from their data fairly easily. And that isn't always the case as of today. In some modules, it's very easy with some of the talent data, you know, in particular, some more of the, the profile data um, and whatnot, it's quite easy. But there are also times when you need other tools like BERT. Yeah, SAP also looking to consolidate some of the reporting platforms to get rid of some of those different technologies and put it all into, into one single place. So there were some demos of that. Uh, I think it's the first time at a Success Connect that customers have been able to see what this is going to look like going forward and how this is going to change the way in which they report uh, on data um, mm-hmm. versus what they have available today. 
Yeah, Luke, one thing I was curious about, you know, and I, when you see those, those screenshots, it looks so incredible. I was just curious, like your thoughts on like how many pieces of like, how many modules do you need to be able to have all that data and how clean does you, how clean does your data have to be? And, you know, like just to maybe just an estimate of like how many customers out there you think are ready for that type of robust product. Cause it, to me, it looked unbelievable, but it just struck me as like to get there with what they're offering would be a lot of, um, not technical, not maybe not always technical, but a lot of like, uh, as Steve likes to say, a lot of uh, business redesign and other stuff to get to that point to be able to use all that and understand what you have. Just curious to get your take on that. Yeah, I mean, like with anything, um, garbage in, garbage out, right? So, of course, it's always any any reporting solution is is having the right data. I, I don't think that's going to be much of an issue for customers because this is really just a, just swapping out um, one reporting or one set of reporting capabilities for one new reporting capability. It is going to be a change to what's being used today, um, and of course, there's going to be some training and change management needed because it's not exactly the same. Um, I've I think from what you've from what you've seen and you know your your, your comments um, you know, show that it's definitely a better a better set of tools. Mm-hmm. But you know, with that is going to, with that's going to come um, you know some challenges with up you know of course with upgrading most customers probably going to you know one day they're going to log in they're going to have the SAP Analytics Cloud and it's going to work fine for them. Others are, others are going to log in and, and see that they have to redo some reports or that something isn't working correctly. And those are of course some of the natural teething problems of shopping over from one technology to another. Um, but I definitely think it's the right direction. I definitely think it's a direction custom you know customers are going to want and SAP need to move to because what they have today is not suitable for all customers. And 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 you know you talk about what, what modules they might need and whatever. I mean, this platform is going to be for all modules. One of the challenges that, that that SAB have today is that actually, depending on what module you have, you might have a different reporting technology. So learning, mm-hmm. you can do advanced you can do advanced reporting, but it's not particularly good. EC has advanced reporting, um, but it's it's you know it's a little it's a little convoluted. Well, performance and goals, you can run a simple ad hoc report and you can kind of get the data you need pretty easily. Um, and I think it's about unifying that reporting experience. I think one of the things uh, that, that you guys will have heard is that is, is, is Workday prides itself on its on its reporting capabilities, and we'll know that SAP have uh, have had some challenges with that uh, area of, of the suite in the past. The the workforce analytics is great, but for a lot of customers, that's been a little bit overkill in the past. Um, and they just want to be able to do, you know, more of the basic reporting, and that's where SAP Analytics Cloud is going to come in. Whether customers are going to get all of that functionality, probably not, because then there's going to be no upsell of the workforce analytics capabilities, and that is kind of fair, right? Because the what's the, what's there should be something good provided by free, but you know, if you want something really powerful, there's always going to be a price tag mm-hmm. to that. Well. Yeah, one of my um, cautions with with customers and just with you know anyone looking at the the demos of of these things with data analytics is it's it's really great, but you have to make sure that you have a good handle on your processes and data to get like you said, Luke. If it's garbage in, it's garbage out, and and I think that a lot of the a lot of companies have some work to do in just getting their data and their processes um, in good shape so that they get good data from that. It's my opinion. Um, 
Yeah, um, just to jump in a little bit to to I think maybe uh, clear up a, a maybe a little bit of a misconception when it comes to people analytics. Uh, it's not just going to be for those uh, for those cool analytics that they showed uh, on the demos. Those mm-hmm. those show really well, but this is actually going to be the new transactional reporting tool as well. This yeah. is something that this is a major thing. They're actually getting uh, what we heard at the roadmap session is that within uh, 12 months of this going to general availability, um, they're going to uh, disable use of um, ad hoc query. Then. Uh, Two years after that, or two years, in, uh, or a year after they disable, they're going to actually get rid of those other t- tools. Now that could change. The timelines could change. They they've made that very clear. Uh, none of that's set in stone. But that's that's the direction that they're heading. And that's and th- back to what I was saying earlier. It's really nice for success factors to say, look, this is our long term direction, and this is where we're going. So mm-hmm. this tool that we're talking about is not just a flash in the pan. Um, it's and it's the and it's the main reason that uh, SAP has gone through all this trouble of trying to switch everybody over to their HANA in-memory database so that it's available mm-hmm. uh, on the platform that, that's necessary in order to do this analytics cloud. So um, we're, you know, I'm really excited about this. It's, it's, I'm disappointed that it's not quite there yet, that we're still having to wait till uh, basically third quarter of next year to, to see it. But I'm, uh, again, I'm still pretty excited that we are going to be getting a, a reporting tool that's going to be handling both transactional and um, analytical, uh, cross-platform, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, Brandon, another um, another rollout at the conference was the digital assistant. Can you uh, tell us more about that and, and you know what do you think that means for customers? Yeah, so this is definitely by far the most ambitious thing that was discussed. And, um, you, know, you know, it's to the point where it's really challenging for, for us to all to see the, the pieces fit together. But there was a, uh, Amy Wilson went through a, uh, a use case that involved um, uh, going off and, and pulling in training budgets and uh, looking at uh, LMS stuff uh, all, at, all on a phone. And, util- and so the, the promise of the digital assistant is it's going to be using uh, artificial intelligence using Leonardo and, and SAP Copilot uh, to somehow uh, piece things together and provide suggestions through some sort of chatbot to end users, as well as voice activation. No, the, actually, the voice activation is for uh, analytics, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting things confused here. But uh, <laughs> basically, uh, you know, there's going to be some way to, to kind of pull all these things together. And, and of course, uh, we saw this one quick demo, and that leaves everybody just skeptical of how does this all fit together? You know, what are the pieces? How how complicated is this to actually use? Um, and so that's it's. I've got a, a bit of a wait and see uh, uh, approach to this, but I do, like I said, applaud the ambition of it, and I know that that's where the the industry is going. So we will see. But I do, uh, you know, I, I think we're remiss to not uh, mention it and see that you know this is really a lot of the strategic focus is on this, and so uh, yeah. I'll be curious to see where it goes. I think yeah, I think it's a great improvement. Luke, what's your feedback on it? I think it's really good. I, th- I think it's a really nice addition to the suite. And uh, we, all of us, I think, um, maybe with the exception of you, Steve, were, were at the uh, influence event earlier in the year where, they, where they, they demoed this functionality. And certainly it was quite impressive. And you know, I've used similar, similar things in before um, as a consumer. I certainly like it when it works. And of course, I think that's going to be the challenge is how well this works. 
Um, but if it does, it's it's very cool. It's very simple. You know, the great example is mm -hmm. someone goes in and they just type in what's my lead balance and it pulls it out and, mm -hmm. and, and there they go. They have it. They don't yeah. have to navigate around. They don't have to poke around to some part of the system. They haven't been in for three, four months or longer. And that's going to improve the, cust the customer experience, mm -hmm. um, well, you know, the user experience quite significantly, I think, especially if they can roll that out to several aspects of the system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, th I think it's a great, great feature. Um, it's nice to see them breaking new ground in that direction. So, um, yeah, and, and like you guys have said, it's going to be interesting to see how that develops in the future. Well, I'm going to cut it here at this point, guys. Uh, we've, I think, covered some pretty good things. Um, you know, of course, there are other things that happen in the conference we didn't talk about, like more detail on the benefit LMS and reporting roadmaps, um, more localizations for Employee Central into other countries, um, things like that. So, you know, you can uh, read up on those from the conference too. Um, Jarrett, Brandon, Luke, thanks for your guys' time. Thanks for your input again. So enjoyed it. And to all of our listeners out there, we will be back in a few weeks with uh, more podcasts. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Thanks, Steve.